How many of you just love it when God shows up? So do I. So that means that for our guys that are on the tech team, I'm going to apologize in advance. Because everything I had prepared is going out the window. When praise and worship started this morning, God began to deal with my heart along a different line. And it was something that I really did not want to share, but I'm going to, because it became very evident. Today is taking a little turn towards the prophetic, and what will be seen in the days and year to come. First, I want to give a little explanation about the prophetic, and I'm going to use for my text today Revelation 19.10. Revelation 19.10. So if you'd like to stand with me, take your Bibles, turn to Revelation 19.10 or your phones or wherever you've got it. If you don't have a Bible or a Bible on your phone, it'll be on the sky above my head as soon as they find it because they have no clue where I'm going today. So Revelation 19.10 says this, For the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy, the attitude, the atmosphere of the prophetic is the testimony of Jesus. So, Father, this morning, I thank you so very much for your word, the anointing upon your word. And Holy Spirit, I am really relying on you this morning, that every word that proceeds from my mouth will be anointed by you and will be profitable for every hearer. I thank you that your word is a powerful seed that, is, that when sown in the hearts of believers, it will produce fruit a hundredfold. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Everybody who agreed with that said... Amen. You may be seated. I want to give you my definition of prophecy. Prophecy is the ability to reveal the heart, mind, and will of God for any specific place, purpose, or time. I want to say that again. Prophecy is the ability to reveal the heart, mind, and will of God for any specific place, purpose, or time. Now, the prophetic has been wildly confused because people haven't understood that there are different levels in the realm of prophecy. Revelation 19.10 would be one of those levels that all of us can operate in. It says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So when we testify about the Lord, we know Jesus is the word and the word is God. So when you speak about Jesus, you testify to Him, you're simply relaying the Word of God. And that is the atmosphere, the attitude of revealing the heart, mind, and will of God for that moment by the Word. So if I were to say to you, you are always the head, not the tail, you're above, not beneath, that is prophetic. Why? Because it's the Word of God. And it brings God's Word into right now. 
All of us can share the Word of God with people, and when we do so, it makes a difference in their life because it takes and corrects that which may be darkness and turns it into light. Now, the next level of prophecy is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and it deals with the manifestation of prophecy. And we know 1 Corinthians 14, 2, the Apostle Paul said that we are to all desire spiritual gifts. So it's not something to run from, it's something to be desired. But without proper understanding, it can get flaky. Okay, so what I really believe the Lord wanted me to share today is I, I just sense in my spirit we are stepping into a new prophetic realm as a house. And that the prophetic word of the Lord, and what I mean by that is not somebody standing up and saying, thus saith the Lord. It may entail that. But it may also be that every time Pastor Barb gets up or anybody gets up to preach, they are speaking the word of God, which is prophetic, and it will carry a different anointing. And I'll show you why that's going to happen as God revealed it to me. So this next level, the manifestation of prophecy, is one that everybody also can operate in and should. It's not as you will, but as the Spirit wills. It's not as you desire a manifestation of prophecy. We desire the gift, but when God moves upon your heart, then you speak in line with Him. The third level of the prophetic is what we call the gift of prophecy. It's found in Romans 12 and verse 6. And it says, if a man prophesies, let him prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Now, what does that mean? We know faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This is a gift. This is something an individual may operate in any time they desire. So the gift of prophecy is completely a different level than the manifestation and the spirit of. Does that make sense? And when we begin to understand these, it'll be... It'll make a lot of sense to us. You'll have people that will operate in the spirit of prophecy and they might mess it up because they don't understand the word sometimes. I remember a, a dear friend of mine and I was joking with him just the other day about this and he got up to prophesy and when he did, he said something. He said, I need you to come to me because my yoke is grievous and my burden is heavy. Now, how many of you know that's wrong, right? That's not the Word of God. So I had to stand up and gently correct in the midst of everything. I wanted him to continue to prophesy, but what you just said wasn't right. Now, I didn't say that. I said, I think what God's trying to tell us is that if we'll come to him and lay our burdens at his feet, it's going to be okay, right? And, just, and then gave him the proper reference. Because if we don't understand the word, we might let something come out of our mouth that is not accurate. Don't worry about that. That's not something that disqualifies you from the plan of God for the rest of your life. Now, when it comes to the manifestation of prophecy, again, it will be based in the word, and it will be the word that the Holy Spirit inspires you to speak. Be careful with the manifestation of prophecy that you don't add to or take away from what God said. If you add to it, you'll miss it. If you take away from it, you won't deliver it. So you have to have both of these. Now, when it comes to the gift of prophecy, that is something that God has gifted you with. You can speak at any time a prophetic word. Why? It's a part of you. 
but let them do so according to the proportion of faith. That's what Romans 12, 6 says. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word. That means that you can only prophesy accurately to the degree the word is on the inside of you, even though you may have the gift. So I know that many people believe that they're gifted with prophetic, or I hear somebody say, I'm just prophetic. Well, the entire body of Christ is, from that matter of fact. So I don't know what you're talking about. Do you mean that you know the word well enough? Do you mean you flow in the gift? Do you mean that you flow in a manifestation? Do you believe that you just have that spirit of prophecy about you? Because the last one is the office of the prophet. Now this is in a different category all to itself. When somebody speaks in the name of the Lord as a prophet, their word must be 100% accurate. The first three levels, it does not need to be 100% accurate. Now, the reason I want you to understand this is because if we don't understand those levels of the prophetic, we can take a manifestation of prophecy and mess it up, take it as God's word for our life and not compare it against the word and you'll make a mistake. Does that make sense? Somebody can give you a word. That's why every word needs to be judged by those that are in authority where you have submitted yourself in the house. We don't have parking lot prophecy. If it's important enough for you to say it to somebody, it's important enough for you to grab Pastor Paul, Pastor Jennifer, Pastor Barb. You grab somebody and you let that word be judged in front of somebody that has discernment that can say yay or nay, or they're responsible for the life of the person you're prophesying to. Does that make sense? All right, now, I gave you those because what I'm about to reveal is a prophetic word from the Lord for right now over, really, the world. And I had a vision of great darkness. And the darkness enshrouded the world like a canopy, and it was black, pitch black. You couldn't see anything. And I was sitting down there kind of struggling whether I was going to share this. And then Quinn gets up and says, God told me to share a little bit about darkness. And I'm going, okay, I got it. I'll go that direction. But in the midst of the darkness was coming breakthrough. And I began to see holes poking in this canopy, and a brilliant light shining through. But the light wasn't coming from above down. It was coming from the earth going up. Why is that important? A couple weeks ago, I had the privilege of being in a meeting with some national politicians with some others that were involved. I'm not going to name any names. But they have a sincere desire to pray for our country. And they said, we need some help. We need some guidance. Would you be willing to come and share? And I said, absolutely. So I put together an outline for prayer for a nation. And I shared that with them. And after I shared it, they said, is it okay if we distribute this through Congress? I said, of course. Because we all need this. Yeah. 
It was based out of 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, and pray. Four things that our nation and the world really needs to do if we want to see the power of God manifested. First, there has to be an attitude of humility that comes upon us. It's not about us. Now, I want you to do something for me right now. Everybody that's got a cell phone in here, I want you to take it out and take a selfie. Make it the best selfie you've ever taken in church. In fact, we're going to believe it's the only selfie you've ever taken in church. Everybody got it? I want you to hang on to that for later. I'm going to keep going while some of you are still looking for the right pose because I can see it. Still trying to get it just right. If you're my wife, you'll still be taking selfies at the end of the service. She doesn't like anything that she takes. You did one, okay. But a spirit of humility to where it's not all about us. We begin to see others. We begin to understand what it is to focus on the needs that are around us. Second, we have to seek His face. There is no alternative in this day but seeking the face of God. And you're not going to find it on TV, the internet, or any other place than getting alone in your prayer closet with the Lord. I know that's not a popular theme today. Another non-popular theme is that Jesus is coming back, and He is. And we have to remind ourselves that we are living in the greatest day, the greatest era that the world has ever seen. God chose you for this day, for this moment, to be His messengers to this world. Enabling a prophetic voice is vital. Seeking His face. Turning from wicked ways. I don't have to define wickedness. You know it. Because the moment you step into it, something goes, and you don't even have to be born again to know that. It's just people go, you know, that wasn't right. That was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. If your heart convicts you to that amount, you probably shouldn't be doing it. If you can't do it in public... Maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Now, I'm not talking about those things reserved for private. I'm talking about actions that you'd be embarrassed for somebody to know about. Because that opens the door for the enemy's first trick, which is shame. Bring shame upon us. To try and shame you, to, to make you feel less. To invalidate what's on your life. 
and then pray. Why do we pray? Because prayer is what pierces the darkness. That's what I saw every time that canopy was busted and light came shining through. It was the prayers of the saints returning God's word to him. And just one after another, after another, after another, after another, after another kept breaking through. And the canopy was being torn apart. The darkness had to flee. You see, one little light dispels darkness. You might think that your prayer doesn't amount to much. But I'm telling you, it is powerful. In the spirit realm. But pastor, I don't know how to pray. Pray and just communicate to God. Just talk to him with what you know. It'll get better. You'll learn the word of God to return to him. But in the, tell him how you feel. Tell him what's going on in your life. Tell him that I will not allow the enemy to rule and reign in my life. I'm not going to do it. I want you more than anything. I don't know how to say it right, but I want you. And all of a sudden, darkness starts... To fall apart. But it's not an individual effort. It's going to be all of us coming together to do what God's asked us to do. I'm going to do something a little different because I'm going to kind of weave this in. I want some individuals to join me. And I'm going to have you raise your hand. But I need three baby boomers, those born between 46 and 64, those between 1946 and 1964. You were born within those dates. I want you to raise your hand, and I'm going to pick on three of you. All right. Keep those hands up. You were born between 46 and 64. Come on up. I want you guys to take these first three chairs over here. One more. Lori, why don't you come on up? I got two guys already. All right. This will be our boomer section. Now... I need three Gen X's born between 65 and 80. If you were born between 65 and 80, raise your hand. Get it up high. You are way too resistant. Come on up, Chad. Barry, come on up. Pastor Paul, come on up. Oh, wait. I got two gals. We'll have Pastor Jennifer come up. You, I'm going to. Okay. You guys are Gen Xers. Proud of it. Now I need three Gen Ys or millennials. You're born between 81 and 96. Get your hands up. Go ahead and come on up. 
Bring your lovely wife. Both of you come. Right there. Come on up. Got all my... There's our millennials. Now I need three Gen Zs. You were born between 97 and 2012. Come on up. Okay, Pastor Barb, come on up. We'll cast that lion spirit out of her. Okay, I need, I need two more, let's see, two more in this age group. Maya, come on up. And way in the back. Okay, come on up. All right. Here's our Gen Zers. Now, I want all of you to think about a question for me, Okay. And I want you to, the very first thing that comes into your mind, the first reaction you have, and those of you that are out here, you can participate in this too. Just write it down if you want. The very first thought you have when I say this. When I think of the world today, I... Let's start over here with our boomers. I shudder. I shudder. I pray. I pray. I pray. I pray. I see the work. Okay, now we're going to our Gen Xers. I see the work. I'm ready to go home. Ready to go home? I'm hopeful. Hopeful. Millennials. Hopeful. Was it? I pray. Uh, unity. Unity. Gen Z. I hope it gets better. Hope it gets better. I'm disappointed. Disappointed. Um, I'm hopeful. You think there's a spectrum here as we go? The boomers shudder and pray. Gen Xers are done, see the work, and hopeful. Our millennials are hopeful, prayerful, and hoping for unity. Our Gen Zers are disappointed, hopeful, isn't that interesting? And yet we're called to be the body of Christ, to be in unity. And yet in this small gathering, we have a gamut of outlooks based on generation. The enemy would love to divide us any way he can. And just because somebody has a different perspective does not make their perspective wrong. It makes their perspective real. Now, the perspective may be real, but it doesn't mean the perspective is truth. 
but it's true for that person. Right? It's very true for the individual. It's very real for them what they're dealing with. So if we're going to humble ourselves and pray and seek the face of God, we have to be willing to understand that there are differences if we're going to be united. The third great rebellion on planet Earth is what we call the Tower of Babel or Babel. What happened? Their language got confused. Back in the early 60s, a man by the name of Anton LaVey wrote the Satanic verses or the Satanic Bible. And he said that the day will come where up is down, black is white, white is black. That which is evil will be called good and that which is good will be called evil. We're living in that day because language has once again been confused. It no longer means what it used to mean. And we now close an eye to those things that are evil and then ask God to bless us. And I would submit that if we're going to penetrate the darkness through prayer, we must return the word of God to him and not blindly close our eyes. Pastor Barb, as I've been praying for you, a prophetic anointing unlike anything you've ever known. You've experienced to a degree the late night conversations with the Lord you will experience some sleepless nights, but wake, <laughs> this is going to sound funny, but you will be absolutely refreshed. I want you to think for a moment, with this wide gamut of opinions and outlooks, her responsibility is to make sure that the needs of everyone is coming together. If you don't think that's an enormous task, trust me, it is. Why are we supposed to pray for our leaders, for those in authority? Because they've got a huge task in front of them. So what are we going to do through all of this? How many of you like to know a real solution? Do you know Jesus dealt with this Stuff too? I've got to kind of watch my words here. See, in Luke chapter 9, one chapter alone, I want to give you some references. Luke chapter 9. Jesus is a little fed up with his disciples. At the beginning of the chapter, he sends them all out. He gives them the authority and he says, go do this. Let's see what happens in Luke chapter 9. In verse 12, they're tired. They're worn out. And they want to send the people away. Have you ever felt tired and worn out? Feel tired? I don't know how I'm going to get this done. I just don't know. I'm tired. I'm worn out. You see, when we get to that point, and we all 
have the ability to get to a point to where we're just tired. But when you get there, people represent more problems. People represent more needs. People represent more work. And people become an inconvenience. You want to beat the darkness? You have to fight fatigue. You have to stay fresh. Fresh in the word, fresh in yourself, fresh in the things of God. Because people are not an inconvenience. They're not just work. They're not just needs. They are the very essence of why Jesus came. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. People are not our problem. They're our mission. So when we get fatigued, we forget the power that is on the inside of us. Verse 33, Mount Transfiguration. All of a sudden, they're more interested in building a monument to an event rather than continuing on with the call of God. We've got to be cautious. You might get out of the fatigue mode, but if you do, be careful that you don't want to settle in a place and just create a monument to what God has already done. There's too much work to be done. For those that are hopeful, they understand that. For those that are, oh, I'm, we're praying. Why? You see the work. We're praying. We shudder. Why? Because we know in this group, I'm part of this group. In this group, we know we have but yet a short time to relay the wisdom, the knowledge, everything that God has given to us over the years to this group. And if we'll take the time to do that, then we start bridging gaps all along the way. Some of you in this group aren't far away from other groups. We must never, in my group, discount this group because of age. And this group must never write off this group because they don't understand. There is nothing that you will face that they haven't faced. Oh, but we got this, this. Trust me, they did too. It just manifested in a different form. The things you'll struggle with, this group has struggled with. This group has struggled with. This group has struggled multiple times with. <laughs> it's an ongoing life cycle. It's not an exercise cycle. Verses 40 through 41. They couldn't cast out the devils anymore. Why? They were tired. They were building monuments to the past. And then when the need arose to help somebody, they couldn't do it. Jesus. 
Jesus, this is when he gets fed up. He said, how long am I going to tolerate this faithless and perverse generation? Can you imagine looking at your staff going, you guys are worthless. <laughs> That's, in essence, what he did. How long am I going to put up with this? Verses 46 through 48. Then they start jockeying for position. They want to know who's the greatest. Who's the greatest here? God, is it me? Do I get to sit on your left? Do I get to sit on your right? If that's not enough, let me get my mama to talk to you. What are we seeing? They get tired. When they get into that mode, all of a sudden they just want to build a monument to what has already been done. Then they become impotent, powerless. They can't cast out devils anymore. Why? Because they're too caught up in their past and being tired all the time. Listen, if you don't think COVID had an impact on the world, people crying online because they have to go to work, Dear God, do you realize how hard that is? I understand for some, they may not get it. But for others, it was a way of life. So they start jockeying for position. In doing so, they want to get rid of all the children. just... Get away, get away from them, Shh, get away. What are they saying to the next generation? Go away, go away. And Jesus said, don't do that. Let them come. Because that is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Don't go, get away. You don't know anything yet. Get away, you think you know it all. Get away, you know you know nothing. Get away, been there, done that, screwed it up. Then in verses 49 and 50, this is just one chapter. It's just one chapter of how the disciples screwed up. 49 and 50, they started to forbid others to do any ministry, cast out devils, because they're not part of us. The next thing you see develop is an elitist attitude. It's only about us. And if you're not a part of us, you can't do what we do. Can that attitude permeate the generations? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's why you have to guard your heart from these things. And then in verses 51 and 56, the disciples are so mad at the Samaritans. They say, shall we just call fire from heaven and wipe them out? Jesus is like, oh, how many more chapters in this book? 
He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Listen, it's easy to get the attitude, God, kill them, wipe them out, destroy them. But be careful because you don't know what spirit you're operating. Jesus could have said it like this. There is a force at work in the world today you don't see. It's a spirit force. It brings darkness. And in order to penetrate that darkness, you have to eliminate those things in your life that would cause you to be tired, build a monument to the past, be ministerially impotent, want to get rid of the next generations, want to call fire and kill them all. Be careful. Because in Luke chapter 10, Jesus doesn't call on them anymore. He goes and he gets the 70 or 72. And he says this. <laughs> Listen, you guys go do this. Apparently the 12 weren't getting it done. He gave them the same command at the beginning of chapter 9 that he gives to those in chapter 10. But he sends the 70 and they come back with a different report. They come back and say, even the demons were subject to us. Oh, Lord Jesus. I am so out of time. I only got to one of my three questions. Do these quickly. When, when I say, I want you to share about Jesus, what's the first thing that comes to mind? That's what I'm trying to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was on the first one, too. Yeah. When you want me to share about Jesus, what's the first thing that comes to mind? His love. Love. Testimony. Excitement. Well, let me tell you about Jesus. <laughs> His love. Testimony. Testimony. Xavier. Uh, be humble. And that he's watching. What's that? That he's watching everything. He's watching everything. Testimony. Uh, testimony. These guys are great. Because I know when I grew up and somebody said, you got to tell somebody about Jesus, I didn't do any of that. I got the pucker factor. <laughs> what do you mean I got to talk to somebody about Jesus? It was intimidating. It was fearful for me. These guys... Obviously, a hundred times better than I ever was. Because that was the first thing that came to my mind. But I pushed through because I was supposed to. When I went into ministry, this was the extent of my pastoral training when I started. I was brought into an office, handed a key to my office and said, you're the youth pastor, don't screw it up. That was it. 43 years ago, don't screw it up. I took that to heart. Well, at least part of it, screw it up. I messed up more ways than you can imagine, but I did. But I thought, you know what, if I've got to tell somebody about Jesus, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. So I figured the only way to do that is to go out on the street and just start preaching Jesus. So I 
started a street ministry with my youth. We're going to go down on the streets. We're going to tell people about Jesus. Did that for four years. I'd like to say we had a lot of results. I think we had some faith accidents. Some people probably got born again. But I'll be honest, I can't tell you where one of those people are today. How did you come to know Jesus? Um, through my mom taking me to church when I was younger. Through your mom? Mm -hmm. Church. Yeah, through my family. My through mom. your family? Yeah, through my dad. Through your dad? Uh, a church camp. A church camp? Yeah. Family. Family? My grandma. Your grandma? I was raised in the faith. Raised in faith? Same. I came to know Jesus as six or seven years old. Okay. And uh, how? Through church. Through church. Uh, he revealed himself to me. Okay, how? Uh, in despair. In despair. Uh, through the word and a testimony. Of? Through the church. Church? Through a Billy Graham uh, revival on TV. Billy Graham revival on TV. Through the redhead sitting in the second row. Through the redhead. Isn't it amazing that nobody up here came to know Jesus on the street. Not one. I don't mean to diminish anybody's call. If you believe that's what God's called you to do, go for it. But the church, family, friends are how people came to Jesus. And without exception, somebody close to them shared the word. Amen. True evangelism isn't shouting about hell and that you're going there if you don't make Jesus Lord. True evangelism is sitting with people, loving them, telling them about the gospel. Why? Because we see that in Luke 10. And those of you that have heard some of my teaching there understand what that is. The teaching is this. You speak peace, not hellfire. You bring peace into their life. You fellowship with them. Why is it so important for this new youth programs that are getting started? fellowshipping, getting together. Why? Because it's there that we get comfortable with the presence of God and those that understand God, and we open, about, open up about the hurts that are on the inside of us. So good. So good. And then, then we can heal the sick. What are you going through? I, drug addiction? Alcoholism? Sexual addictions? Pornography? Strangers aren't going to open up to you and tell you about that. You become a friend. I'm struggling here. Now, one light starts breaking through the darkness. And another light starts breaking through the darkness. And another light breaks through the darkness. And another light breaks through the darkness. And then, you have the ability to declare the kingdom of God. And it doesn't matter how old you are. You know people that will never talk to me 
they'll talk to you. You all have gifts, talents, and abilities I don't possess. You all have wisdom, insight. And often in this group, more than you realize. And in this group, we've got to be careful we don't write ourselves off. Say we did our part. Let somebody else do it. Amen. Let's stand up. time for the darkness to be penetrated, to break through the lies of the enemy that wants to constantly paint a dark picture. It isn't. I'm here to tell you this is not a dark season. Darkness is blind. Darkness, you can't see, it's blind. But it says the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. So we say, I'm not going to be of those that believe not. I'm going to be of those that believe and have the blindness go. I can't allow fatigue can't allow just being comfortable with what's been done. I can't allow myself to, to become spiritually impotent. I can't allow myself to want to get rid of the generations. I can't allow myself to forbid anybody else because they're not part of us. And I can't get to the point where I just want people destroyed. I have to be of those that speak peace, that meet people's needs where they're at. Just hang out with them and get to the point where I can declare the kingdom of God. People need Jesus. Whether they realize it or not, they realize it because they know nothing else is working, especially in this group. There is a language right here that is permeating this and sliding into this. It is the language of toxicity. Everything's toxic. God forbid that we create a generation that thinks that everything is toxic. Why am I saying that? Because I deal with one or two new people that I don't know every single day with the gospel. That's what I hear. Because I know that if I don't stay fresh, I'll just fall in line. I don't want to do that. The blood of Jesus was too important 
to forget. I want you to know it's not toxic. There's opportunity. Opportunity. Opportunities. Find somebody that is doing what you want to do and you hang on for all you're worth. And you'll find there's a lot of strength and wisdom. I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. If you're here today and you would say, Pastor, I have not guarded my heart from those things that would keep me from doing what God's asked me to do. I need to change some things so I don't fall into a, fall into a culture that sees everything so bleak. But I'm going to humble myself. Seek the face of God. Turn from my wicked ways. And pray. Because I know God's promise is that He'll hear from heaven and He'll heal our land. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up very quickly and say, that's, that's me. I have just fallen into that category. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can slip it up quickly and put it down. Don't be afraid to make somebody a friend. We'll open up all kinds of things for you. If you're here today and you've never been born again, or maybe you've walked away from God, and you know that today is a fresh day to start anew, you'd say, Pastor, please remember me. Pray for me today. I need to rededicate my life or make Jesus Lord for the very first time. I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. Please pray with me, wherever you are in this place. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? All right. We're going to pray together today and just believe God for breakthroughs. Father, you see the heart and you look upon the heart. So today we lift our hearts before you and thank you for who you are. I want you just to say this with me. Dear God, Dear God I know that I've made mistakes. And so many were sin in your eyes. Contrary to your plan for my life. And I ask you to forgive me. Help me pierce the attitude of this age. I refuse to see the darkness and let it blind my eyes. I will look to Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, making him my Lord to walk with Him and serve Him from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.